soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. It's like that stretcher with the unicorn thing, and it's accusing her. And Zippy just loved it. And I took a picture of her saying thank you to Nini and sent it to Jennifer at work, like a video for her at work that very moment. But like she values it, and, and, and she, she doesn't want to be separated from a little unicorn doll. And so it means, it means more to us. Like you know, when you give a kid something and they just toss aside like 20 other gifts on Christmas, it doesn't have the same impact for you, the giver. But if you give something to someone, like that, and it takes has such great value, it, it brings you joy. If, Zip, if we bless Zippy and she values what we've done for her and it's reciprocated, it brings us joy and the relationship goes deeper. What we see with these guys and how the Lord responded, we'll get to in a moment. Passion matters, priorities matter, pursuits matter. You know, we always say you can just follow the money trail, the energy trail. The time trail. I have found in almost 60 years of life, I have time to do what I really want to do. I have money to spend what I really want to get. Even when we only have a little. If I want Skittles, I can buy them for 99 cents at 7-Eleven, right? You, 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 know, you know, people are broke and you see them buying cigarettes and alcohol at Albertsons, right? Like if you, you, whatever defines you and is you, you'll find money. Like you see people, you know, getting all the, tra- the, the bottles out of the trash cans in Huntington, they turn them in and they get a bottle. You know what is driving them. Not all people do, but many do in that case. And it's not hard to know what we're living for because we show it day to day. And if our heart is with the Lord and we show a passion for the things of the Lord, it will show itself and it will be pleasing to God. God looks at the heart. The heart is way more important than the, the, the actions or reactions that we show because the heart's right. Generally, most actions will be good and the reactions would be good. What is fascinating to me about this idea that God, God values people who touch dead bodies and want to have Passover. That's what I'm saying. And he compares them to people who can have Passover but don't care. That's where we're going with this. But these guys, God's like, hey, I got, they get to the make up. You know, when you, when you do the college, you know, the SATs, you miss the one, you get a makeup, right? Like a makeup. This is the makeup. Hey, you missed Passover, but same time, one month later, exactly. All same, all same rules, all same things, but you can do it a month later. And not only that, if you're away on a trip the first time, you can do that too. You don't have to just be touching a dead body. You can be on a trip. Either way, we can do this a month later. It's a makeup, like in high school. It's a makeup. You can do it. You can make it up. We've got a plan for you. This is the spirit of God, the spirit of God within the law of God. That flexibility where you see that God cares more about the heart than the outward actions. And we only need to think of a few people before we move on. But this is worth our meditation and contemplation. Rahab, the harlot. She's a prostitute. She lives in a wicked city with wicked people. And she sleeps with them. I mean, what a tough lot in life. 
I mean, who knows her story, how that ended up. But Rahab was a prostitute. Rahab had a family in the city, for her family was saved when they came in her place when Jericho was destroyed. But when the spies came to Rahab's house, the two Jewish spies that Joshua would send out 40 years after this, 39 years after this, she hid them. Then the whole city was looking for them. She told them, we're all in fear of you. We know God is with you. And God was confirming to the Israelite spies what he had already said to Joshua, you're going to roll these people. And she helped them escape. And then they came to her house, but they said, you know, where are the spies? And she, she lied. She lied. Now, one of the Ten Commandments is you shall not bear false witness, right? When my wife was working on her bachelor's degree in psychology there at Hope International, she had a class on moral ethics. And we watched the movie Hotel Rwanda with the Hootsies and the Tootsies and the genocide that went on between the two tribes. Fascinating movie. Nick Nolte's in it. He's the UN guy. He's always a rule follower, but doesn't really help the people who are being murdered. He's a rule follower, but he follows the UN rules. Whereas there's the guy that's the, the, the one black actor, really good actor, he's in other movies. He runs a hotel and he risks his life, he risks everything to save the people that are being murdered in the genocide. He's breaking the law, but saving lives. He's keeping the law, but letting lives perish. And so this whole movie for my wife, and I was really into this, is a moral dilemma. What's really right? To obey the UN, the law? Oh, Romans 13! Like people would say, there's people that would tell, Romans 13, don't, don't, don't rescue these people that are being murdered in this genocide. Or is it the heart of God and the spirit of God and the character of God to rescue those who are led to death and destruction? That was an easy determination for me on which person I would be in that movie. I'm not the UN guy under law, enforcing law that doesn't rescue people from the innocent. I'm Corey Tim Boom. I'll risk my life to save the Jews. I'm not a Lutheran, lukewarm Lutheran, putting the Jews on trains to death camps. And these are the things we must decide in our own minds and hearts about who we are and what defines us in our faith. God looks at the heart. And Rahab lied to save lives. And for this lie, she is in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. Rahab lied. And for her lie, she's in Hebrews 11. So has God flipped his character? God is light in him, there's no darkness at all. Or is there a spirit of the law within the law that tells us to do right is always the right thing? Like Martin Luther King Jr. said, it's always the right time to do the right thing. How about David and the showbread? We just went through Leviticus. Hey, one thing that's really clear in Leviticus, if you're not a priest, don't look at the showbread, don't touch the showbread, and definitely do not eat the showbread. What did David do when he was fleeing from Saul? He shows up at the tabernacle, lies. Oh, I'm doing an errand for my father-in-law, King Saul. Oh, okay. Yeah, do you have my sword that I killed Goliath with? Yeah, it's right here. Hey, we're starving. Do you have some food? Here's the showbread. He eats the showbread. (laughs) David is from the tribe of Judah. He takes the showbread, which is only for the Levites. We've been studying this for two months, outdoors and indoors. He takes the showbread and gives it to his homies, the, the mighty men of David. They all eat the showbread. They deceive the priest. The priest gets murdered, and his, all of his other priests get murdered when Saul finds out through Dog the Edomite. There's a psalm about it, and it's there in Samuel. And yet, God says David is a man after his own heart. 
Jesus does not talk about David defeating Goliath. Jesus does talk about David eating the showbread. It's not the letter of the law. It's the spirit of the law. It's the character of God and the heart of God. That's where Jesus said, I desire mercy. That's what I desire is mercy. See, God looks at the heart. David did so many bad things. And yet, our Lord and Savior, God himself, who made the universe, took the title Son of David. David is a liar, a murderer, (laughs) an adulterer. A prideful man that takes a census when even his, his evil general, his henchman, told him, don't do this, it's a bad idea. And yet, Jesus is called the son of David. God looks at the heart. And if our heart's in a good place and our motives are in a good place, that means far more than anything else. In Pastor Chuck's book, Arminianism versus Calvinism, that he wrote 40 years ago, in the end of the book he said, show me your, do- your doctrine by the fruit of your life. Because I would rather have a good heart with the wrong action than a, the right action with a bad heart. Because my heart is easy to steer, but if my ba- heart's in a bad place, that's a really much more profound thing to deal with. God looks at the heart. And these guys touching dead bodies, God's like, I, I appreciate this. What did Moses expect when he did the tent? So like, Lord, these guys out here, man, they've been, you know, it's cooties, man. It's like they're touching dead bodies. And I was like, hey. I got a plan for them. God looks at the heart and God knows our heart. And I just remind us, keep our hearts pure. Keep our hearts in a good place. Keep our hearts as we're all being tested, as we're all being tested in 2020. Let's really want what God wants. Let's really, if it matters to God, let it matter to us. His word, singing, fellowship, giving, serving. If we seek, we will find. This is all a test in 2020. We're being sifted. We're being separated. We're being weighed in the balances. There's not a time for excuses. Our life is our life. Our time and our energy speak for themselves. Fear God, not man or anything else. Serve the Lord and praise his name. And let him search your heart and keep our hearts in a good place. Now, we also see here that God looks and knows the heart, which is kind of intermingled with what I was just saying, but it's a little bit different. Because he, he says here, knowing our motives, he says that they can still do everything the way you do it, and you do it right. So he, he allows a situation where grace is at work. Okay, so we can come a month later, and he knows our heart. We can come a month later, but we still need to do it the way he said it to, to do it. And as we've talked about, David, as we talk about Rahab, what we see here is there's a grace factor in things. And again, comparing with Saul, I find this very interesting that where David would find grace, where there's faith, there's grace, and there's a, obedience as a whole. But where there's pride and religion, there's no grace. Because again, on the outside, Saul does not look like a bad guy, King Saul. He didn't really do a whole lot that was bad. I mean, he wiped out the Amalekites. He kept the sheep. Sure, that's no big deal. But because he kept the sheep, God cut him off from being the anointed one. Like over the sheep. Like, that seems kind of harsh. But see, God knows the heart. And so he's not going to change. God is light. Him is no darkness, like I said earlier. And But as grace is applied, when we have faith, the grace keeps coming. And he's working in and through that. 
and meeting us as we seek to obey, as we seek to do the right thing. So he knows our heart like we saw with the men, and he, and he looks at the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. But then he says, when you come that month later, you're going to do it exactly the way I told you. So we're, he's meeting us where we're at to bring us where he wants us to be. He's making accommodations in his calendar. I'm giving you an extra 30 days exactly on this day. He's given us a second chance to come to church, to sing praises, to break bread. He's given them a second chance in another way. And our God is the God of second chances for those who have faith and those who properly appropriate grace. To Peter, Jesus said, when Peter said, do we forgive someone seven times? And he goes, no, seven times 70. Was Jesus teaching Peter that he's going to forgive someone 490 times? Or was Jesus teaching Peter that Jesus is going to forgive Peter 490 times? Is it Peter who's going to really count like that? Or is it God who removes our sins to Jesus from the West? Because it was Peter who denied the Lord three times. You see, when there's faith and grace, we keep moving toward obedience. From the spirit of the law, we end up obeying the law by the spirit of the law. And with Peter, you think about this, what a contrast he is to Judas. If Saul is a contrast to David, how about Peter and Judas being a contrast? Because it was Peter who said, denied the Lord three times. But then it was the Peter that Jesus said, do you love me? Yes, then feed my lambs. Do you love me? Yes, then tend my flock. Do you love me? You know I love you, then feed my sheep. And it was Peter who is the running point in the book of Acts all the way up till Paul in chapter 13. Why does one person go hang himself with no chance at repentance? Judas. So the betrayer gets no second chance and he just hangs himself. But the one who's got faith and sinks on the Sea of Galilee puts his foot in his mouth all the time and denies the Lord three times. He gets to tell the Lord three times he loves him. And then he gets commissioned to be the leader, Petros, the little rock that leads the church. It's amazing grace. But it does move toward obedience. So though the Lord meets us where we're at and he appreciates our motives and he searches our heart and he appreciates that, in the end, he'll, he'll be flexible and he'll let things work a certain way. He'll meet us where we're at. Like, Again, Peter, when he needs to pay the temple tax, Jesus said, to whom do the sons of earth pay their tribute to? You know, well, not the, the, the symbolism or the, the lesson from that text where he says that is like, of course, we're heavenly children. We don't really do this, but lest we offend, pay the temple tax. And so it's to a fisherman that he catches the fish and the coins in the fish, right? Like that's where there's faith, there's grace. There's personal lessons. All those things for Peter. And that's what God's doing in our life. He's taking us forth from our mistakes let the redeemed the Lord rejoice in the Lord. And for us, his mercies are new every morning. They're not new every morning for people that hate God and blaspheme the name of Jesus. Now, there are people out there waiting to be saved because we're still here. And the redeemed will be saved. And we need to, to trust God to reach people and let us be used of him to reach people. But for the redeemed that are saved, we have faith and our faith is growing And we have grace, and it's being applied, and it's taking us forward, just like David in his journeys, just like Peter in his journeys, and yet it's always moving toward obedience and toward the character of God and the heart of God. That's what God is doing. He's moving us toward his character and his heart. He's teaching us that he is light, and him is no darkness at all. He's teaching us that there is no other way but his way. 
That's what he's teaching us. His grace is endless for those who are his children and are adopted into his family, Romans 8. But his wrath is on the children of wrath who are given over to depravity and darkened hearts and darkened minds who not only do evil, but approve those who do evil. Not only do evil, but they approve and check the box of the evil, of the evildoers. The grace is not for them. Now, they can find grace through repentance and faith. But where there's faith, not religion, where there's faith in Jesus, where there's the Holy Spirit, we get the grace, and he's moving us toward these things. So I said, you can come a month later. He's the God of the second chance, the 490 chances, the three times you deny me, three times you can tell me you love me. But in all that, he's moving us toward obedience, toward the lamb, toward the blood, toward the bitter herbs, toward the unbroken bones, and toward the feast of unleavened bread. For Christ is our Passover, and we keep the feast of unleavened bread, we are told in the New Testament, that sanctified life. So as Romans 6 says, the grace of God shows us meeting us where we're at and bringing us through the different things that we face that are challenging, where we're trying to do the right thing, our motives are good, but the result is bad. It's still moving us toward obedience and faithfulness to become like Christ in our character and who we are and what we reflect in our society to the people closest to us and around us. But we have faith in Jesus and we have grace that is applied over and over. And, and why? Well, Romans chapter 9 says it best. Hey, if God wants to put Pharaoh under wrath, he's under wrath. Well, I don't like that Pharaoh's under wrath. Well, who are you, old man? Will the thing on the clay, the clay wheel say to the potter, what are you making? You know, Romans 9 is a gnarly chapter. Because all the people think they know the mind of the Lord, or why would God allow this, or why would God allow that? Why would God be like, how could a God of love and this and everything? Else? Listen, you know what God says to all of them? Take a look, get in line. Romans 9, hey, I harden who I want to harden, and I save who I want to save. Now get back to the Great Commission. It's that simple. It really is that simple. We are the redeemed. This is the church of Jesus Christ. This is the house of God. And we're headed for heaven. Our treasures are in heaven. And all that we're being sifted through is preparing us for a heavenly service. Our glory is not here. Our citizenship is in heaven. And in the end... It's like the last battle in the Chronicles of Narnia. We are going to the new Narnia, and the two cannot be compared. And all that God's teaching us in this experience is to serve him in the next one. This is boot camp. We need to pass every test as best we can and grow and learn and go forward. So though God meets us in the spirit of the law, he meets us there. He looks and knows at our heart, and in the end, he's moving us toward obedience. He's still moving us toward the ordinances of the Passover, to the things that are right, and that's what he's doing. But then there's that warning that if there's this final warning that he's going to always he's going to always be true to his word. And there's this final warning that, hey, if there's a man that can do the feast and, and they don't do it, they're cut off. And that's the warning to everyone in America. That's the warning to everyone on this planet. That's the warning to everyone who lightly esteems the things of God and mocks the things of God and rejects the gospel and the, the work of God through the son, Jesus Christ. There are so many people that go to churches in America that do not believe Jesus is the only way. They do not believe the Bible is true. They do not believe a lot of sin is sin. They believe it's, it's choices, that God made them that way. They don't believe, they, don't, they just don't even think critically at all. They live in an alternative universe in how they perceive Jesus Christ. They create a Jesus of their own imagination based upon the evils of their heart and the lust of their hearts. 
And that's exactly what the Israelites did in the promised land when they got there. So they worship Molech and the Asterisk. But they still went to the temple. They still kept the Passover. Let God be true and every man a liar. Because God is true and we're all liars. And God has lied to him in no darkness at all. The person who can keep the Passover and doesn't, that person's cut off. So what God would say to the churches, don't come to church and play church. There are seven letters to seven churches in Revelation. And if there's anything he says, he says, repent and don't play church with me. Either you're mine or you're not. The cross is serious. The blood of the God on the cross for humanity is serious stuff. There's joy in the Lord and there's, there's abundant life that he gives us, but it overflows from the seriousness and the reverence of God sending his son to die on the cross for our sins. God is separating people playing church in 2020. And he's doing us a favor because who knows what 2021 is going to bring in the future. Don't play church. It's not about churchgoers in 2020. There's going to be millions of less churchgoers in 2021 than those who started 2020. So many people, so many people just need one excuse not to come to church. They got lots of them. So if you want to watch sports in empty stadiums, do that. If you want to support people who do evil things, do that. If you want to give your money to evil people and spend on evil things, do that. It's your choice. This is madness that we're in right now. This whole planet. But it's a sifting. And it's a separating. God says, this is how I do Passover. I will meet you with grace. And I will meet you in this area where you're at, touching dead bodies defiled. And meeting you because I know your heart. But in the end, wherever I meet you, I'm bringing you to the cross. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the fire but through him. And that's, that's our universe. That's the universe we were born into. That's the universe we'll die into when we step into eternity. It'll never change. When the Lord comes back that day in all that glory and every eye shall see him, even those who pierced him, it'll still be, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. That has never been accepted as a whole in human society because it's a narrow gate. And the blood is an offense. Paul said he preached the gospel lest he not offend because the gospel is an offense. He became all things to all men, but the blood is always an offense. Why do you think the church has spent 30 years in this lukewarm state of taking the blood out of the songs and not preaching the blood? Because it is an offense. But so is mocking God and blaspheming Jesus and changing his character to match the, the gods of our own minds of lust and deceit and evil. Let God be true and every man a liar. In the end, he says, even the stranger, I'll let come have Passover with me. Isn't this beautiful? It's like a happy ending to this text. Hey, the stranger, the stranger, the stranger, like you're not Jewish by blood. The stranger, listen, you want to keep Passover? You can have Passover, but this is the way it works. The lamb, the blood, the bitter herbs, no broken bones and unleavened bread. You want to be saved is the way it works. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. It's there. So we close with this thought. Jesus Christ is the center of the universe. And he is over everything. And he is sifting his church. This has nothing to do with human governments. This has everything to do with the kingdom. He is sifting and he is separating. So let's make sure we're in the right place as this sifting takes place. Let us hold fast to our faith. Let us not grow weary and get more reverent and more fervent as all the more as we see the day approaching. That's who we need to be. That's what we need to be. And we must know that we will always be a minority on this planet. And we'll always be called to serve, to love, to forgive. 
We're going to be always be called to do those things and to obey and to grow and to go forward. That's who we are. And we will always be a healthy church if we remain. That's who we are. But if we compromise on any of these things for our sins, for human government or anything in between, the devil himself outside that front door, we will fail in our obligation, our calling, and our equipping to fulfill the Great Commission. We will always be the church, and we're under the authority of Jesus Christ, who is the final authority, and he has told us to preach the gospel and make disciples of every nation. And to that end, we will continue to be who we are here in our Jerusalem and to the ends of the earth with everything we have. So don't be moved by evil men and women, but stand firm in a glorious, perfect Savior who is coming to prove every word and to test every thought and every motive and every intent. That's who we serve. It's Passover, and we want to partake of Passover, and we invite others to partake of Passover, and we don't see it flippantly. That's the lesson of this text. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.